Oh, that was weird. That was actually weird. Why? That was not planned at all. That no. was how in sync are we today? That is amazing. That's insane. Yeah. That, that was that was freaky. We, we didn't discuss that or anything. That was so strange. Absolutely not. That is that's actually blown me away. How did we come up with that at the same time? I don't know. I don't mental. know. I'll tell you what. We should just just knock it on the head now, mate. It's not getting better than that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the show, folks. Yeah. Right, I'm off now to it. <laughs> Magpies can fuck off. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from. This is Chain Wrestling Live with Mags and Sai, a Radio Techers production. I am the full and bloated and overeaten Sai, as the wife made a roast dinner before we went on air, and I tried oh, it all the roast. Oh, that's naughty. And I feel so full and bloated now, but it's a happy full, you know? Mm-hmm. And with me, as always, is... The steamboat to my gravy boat. That's right, I'm going with food links, look, because of the roast. See, see? The chai tang to my chai dang, and boy, did I ever. I love roast potatoes, mate. I could eat them all day long. A podcaster who, if you believe the conspiracy theories online, is actually, in real life, a Blackburn fan from Paddyham. The podfather himself, Lord Max. How are we doing, sir? That's that's two slanderous comments in one sentence. How dare you? I'm actually hey, doing hey. doing well. I was it's doing not me. well. It's not me. It's, it's, it's the conspiracy that, theories online. It's that goddamn Dan Griffin and his, <laughs> and his, and his Paddyum love. Uh, so you mentioned gravy boss. Um, that's a uh, an interesting question that I've just come up with then. How do you put gravy on your on your roasting? Are you a, a swirler? Are you uh, go across in lands, or do you just pl- plop it everywhere? I just take it out. It's given to me, mate. So you don't even apply your own gravy? No. You you born adult sod. Well, no, it's not like I'm bone idol. It's the wife, <laughs> Sharon. She makes the grub, you know, and then she puts the gravy on in the kitchen and then just gives me a shout and I can get my plate. So, so if you know. were to put your own gravy on then, how would you a- apply your gravy? I'd chuck it all over, I suppose. In in just any haphazard fashion, no kind of ram or reason to it. Yeah, pretty much. You want a bit of gravy on everything, don't you? That's that's. I mean, that for me is correct. Everything has to touch gravy in, in some shape. I'm more of a, a swirler guy. I'll start from the outside and like swirl the way in. Oh, uh, okay. So yours looks like a little whirlpool. <laughs> yeah, like, like a the Pokemon Poliwhirl or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dan yeah, Griffin well, in the chat. A man who doesn't apply his own gravy is no man at all. Oh, I'm just very, very lucky to be a married man, and my wife does it for me. A Monday roast, oh yeah, that is a, that's a queen you have got right there. A queen. There we go. There we go. There we go. And I believe she is in the chat already. Sharon, hello. It's Monday nights. You know what that means. 
Yep, and she's explaining why she didn't get the Sunday roast because she needed a tactical nap for the playoffs. Brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant. that's right. That's right. The wife's mad into the NFL. But bloody, hell, listen to me. I sound like I'm stuck. I'm, I'm one of the cool kids. No, she's mad into it, bruv. <laughs> Fam. <laughs> I threw up a little bit in my mouth then. Uh, yeah, I can appreciate that. No, Sharon's uh, really into the NFL. And um, <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I, I, I shared it on yesterday. I watched it and it was awesome. It was great. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I don't normally get into that much, but yesterday's games were fantastic. Yeah, it's, off it's, it's, with your happiness it? side. Cheers, man. <laughs> NFL is a good time. Takes a long time to get through a game. Uh, mm, a lot that's of starting, but yeah, it's 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 fun to watch. That's the biggest hang-up I have, mate. How long it takes to just get through it? It's that four hours through essentially one hours of play. I think. Yeah, it's not as bad as I as I remember it being. I, I don't know if it's got better recently. I'm not sure, but whether they've had rule changes or something, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's not as bad as it was. But all the games this year. Since you know, since it's gone to the playoffs, have all been really, really close. They're down to like a one. I don't know what you call it—a a kick at goal, I suppose, or whatever it is. You know, just down to one. A kick at goal, brilliant. Yeah. The, the extent of my NFL knowledge starts and ends effectively with the first Ace Ventura film. So you know, that's yeah, you know, that, that's laces it. Up. Laces, laces up. done. Finkel, I know. Finkel, I know. Finkel goal, my was a man. <laughs> and they're all putting the, the toothpaste in their gobs. <laughs> oh, so you, dear. so you're saying essentially, when you watch American football, you cry in the shower to the crying game. That's what you say. Mm, yeah, whilst chewing on some uh, toothpaste. That's it. That's my NFL experience, man. I love it, and you can't take it away from me. Okay. <laughs> how did we, how did we get here from going from a Monday roast to you sobbing in the shower? Naked, curled up in the corner, bawling my eyes out. Yeah, that's it, mate. That's it. <laughs> oh, so who's joining us this evening, mate? Who's joining us this evening? What we got going on in the chat before we uh, so, get we... on with our full packed show today? Yes, sir. So we've got Sharon kicking off proceedings with the 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 now catchphrase of uh, "It's Monday." You know what that means. Uh, Dan Griffin proposing that uh, synchronized wooing should be in the Olympics. I think I think that might be um, already an Olympic sport. You see a lot of uh, Olympic wooing. And he, he's saying that Monday, <laughs> I didn't even read the rest of this, but Monday Ross sounds filthier than a man is shoelace. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. And then uh, doubling down on his uh, hatred of Padium, but loves winding me up. Yeah, uh Padim is just the, we call them fitnecks around here because they are literally inbred. Um, Conor McCabe in the chat, hello sir, how are you? Uh, and he's also uh, setting you straight by saying that they call field goals. Uh, you kick it th- through the middle and it's three points. And then that do the action again. Which action? I do I do the multiple actions. That, the oh no, that's not the toothpaste. That's when he gets a, he gets a, the plunger, doesn't he? Um, oh so, yeah plunge vomit out of his mouth like, <laughs> yeah i think oh, i yeah, think yeah. it looks like something else mate yeah. <laughs> I, I i regret that now making me do it again <laughs> dan you you heathen scottish danny the the colin McAlde, the most traitorous podcaster known to man trying to play <laughs> both off each other yes yes so yeah i mean you teased it last week you may as well uh confirm those uh those teasers right now yeah, I guess if anyone's not seen on Twitter, which I'd be very, you know, find it hard to believe they haven't because I share the crap out of everything, let's be honest. <laughs> 
Bull. What's with him? You know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. CW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Woo! Nitro Nights, starting this Thursday on Visionaries Global Media and Radio Techers, looking back on WCW one show at a time. Follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights. Danny and I are working on a new project. It's got a few episodes already recorded. That's starting on Thursday. It's called Nitro Nights. And it's effectively Dan and I going back to the very first episode of Monday Nitro and watching WCW in order. So you have all the Nitros, Clash of Champions events, uh, all the pay-per-views and so on. And we're just going to go back and watch it from a couple of different aspects, really. One, I love WCW, but there's so much there that I don't remember or there's so much there that I sort of overlooked or everyone remembers the, the plus points, I suppose. Mm -hmm. uh, two, Danny is a massive motivation for me wanting to do this show because he's never seen the majority of WCW, only bits and bobs on highlights videos and so on from the release from the WWE and that he said. So that's going to be really interesting as well. Having somebody look at these, this product that dominated big chunks of the Monday Night War for the first time in 2022 so that's going to be really interesting and lastly it's just great talking wrestling with people isn't it so mm -hmm. those are and, the, those are the main reasons <laughs> especially especially with danny uh i know that um he he's an absolute superstar to work with uh on a, on a very similar project that may or may not have influenced natural on that so a changing <laughs> attitude uh, yeah he's, he's he's fitted in with with the team uh like a glove uh yeah he's took to to podcasting uh um, really, really well. He's even got another show that's uh, uh, on the go as well, One Man's Meat, which is, is mm -hmm. dropping very, very soon, uh, where he'll be discussing uh, beef, pork, turkey, Chicken, all of the meats. All the meats. Shawn yeah. Michaels, Playgirl, uh, 1996 edition. Yeah, he's going to cover all of the meats. Lovely stuff, mate, lovely stuff. i got that spread out on my wall. That, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I thought it'd be on the roof. <laughs> on the roof. No, it's too distracting, mate. It's too distracting. It makes me uh, finish too quickly if I see that, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, <Anyway. laughs> you can be as rude as you like with me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh. Man, we've we've gone from simultaneously wooing at the same time with no character. So now just, just completely lowering the tone of the show. You know, within 10 minutes. Oh. You don't get this anywhere else, mate. No other podcast or live show does this. Absolutely not. This is God. scandalous. Apologies, <laughs> listeners. Ah, <laughs> uh, so then, so then, so then, Magsy. Unless you've got anything else you want to bring up, bud, should we uh, should we get to our first segment of the day? 
Yes, let's do it. Are we doing the Hall of Lame? Yes, indeed. The Hall of Lame, the second week we are going to be inducting some, shall we say, slightly ropey wrestling gimmicks or characters or, or angles or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, everyone seemed to enjoy what we did. Everyone seemed to like the idea, the concept. So, yeah, we're going to stick with it. So we're both going to put forward another one this week. Magsy has teased me with what his might be, and I hope for the sake of everyone watching, it's not because I don't want to melt down in front of the camera. But Magsy, we'll, we'll start with you, I think, mate. All right. So let's take a trip back to the the middle of 1996. Okay. Raw. I'm only joking. I'm right. <laughs> so actually, I want to go back to uh, December of 1998. Um, okay. Starcade. Your 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 wheelhouse to receive mm-hmm. Um and if you remember in in the main event of that show, uh, Kevin Nash beat Goldberg uh, mm-hmm. with uh, a bit of help from uh, from his his buddy Scott Hall with the old stone good. Yes, not good. That led to uh, one of the most ridiculous. Uh, um, I don't even want to say angles because it's not an angle. It's just it's just politicking of the of the of the highest order. Uh, so. Uh, a couple of weeks after that, Hogan had, had made his return. He had challenged uh, Nash for the for the title, uh, and after a little bit of circling around the ring, uh, we see Nash uh, trying to intimidate Hogan by pushing him into into the corner. And in retaliation, Hogan dropped the bomb. He porks Nash square in the chest, mm. and it's been compared to being hit in the chest with a cannonball. Apparently. Uh, but- <laughs> But this knocks Nash clean down, uh, Hogan uh, pins, and we get a new WCW heavyweight champion. So I'm putting forward that goes in the Hall of Lame, the finger pork of doom. Oh, and I'm, I'm with you on that, mate. I'm 100% with you on that. It was, there's just no need for it. It was just the most self-indulgent nonsense. It just showed that WCW, whereas 1998 financially was one of their strongest years, they mm-hmm. made more money in 98 than they did in 97, 96, and so on, which is when creatively 96, 97 was probably when they're at their peak. 98, they made more money. It just showed that by this stage, the wheels were coming off, things were going wrong. Uh, and this is the perfect example. I mean, some people even pinpoint that moment as when WCW effectively died after that. It was it was done and dusted. Nothing, nothing was the same after. I think that's a bit dramatic. There's a lot of more mistakes to come. But <laughs> yeah, Magsy, that's that's a great shake. That was oh yeah. Yeah, it, it's just taking all the momentum and all the steam of of arguably the 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 biggest character WCW created themselves with Goldberg, mm-hmm. yep. taking all that just to feed Hogan and Nash's egos. It was mm. just a ridiculous, ridiculous booking. Uh, yeah, and like I said, it, it showed that the wheels were were finally off and that and the, the lunatics were certainly running the asylum. Yes, very much so. Very much so. I totally agree. I don't, oh, man. Just so bad. And, isn't it, oh, and they thought it would get better by bringing Russo in. What the... Oh, I love WCW, but my God. I'll tell you what, though, Magsy. What I'm going to put forward this week, and it is so strange. It's almost like the simultaneous woo again. Not only am I staying in WCW, as you as you were there, I'm actually going to speak about pretty much the same bloke. 
Kevin Nash? Yeah. I is it actually saw. Kevin Nash? I was yeah, it is. Thought it was about the orange man himself, Hulk Hogan. No, mate, no. In 1991, WCW no. started running I, you know, uh, video packages or, or just talking about anyway this new wrestler coming, a creation of, of the mind of Dusty Rhodes. Now, Dusty Rhodes, creative genius at times. It's so many things he's done. You hear stories about what he did in NXT, but you go back to Jim Cocker Promotions. He was he was a booker there for a long time, WCW, the end of whatever. And he, he did great things whilst booking, great stories and all the horseman stuff, all that. Fantastic. Occasionally, Dusty would get it wrong. Occasionally, Dusty would get it wrong. And on this moment, he he got it wrong. Inspired by the cartoony, like oh, the larger than life gimmicks that we have in, on the other channel, the WWF at the time, Dusty thought well, he needs to do something himself to that level. You know, this is early '91, so you got Hogan, you got Earthquake, Jake Roberts, and so on on the other channel. So what does he feel? Oh, what can I do? What can I do? And he sees this seven foot monster of a man, Kevin Nash, and thinks we're going to use him. And we're going to create the character Oz. Now, for those listening who have never seen or heard of Oz, first of all, I, I, I can't blame you for that because it didn't last long. It's only around for a couple of months, tops. Mm-hmm. You know, went out to Japan for a little bit as well, but it, it, it kind of died a death very early on. But I, I implore you, please go and check out Super Bowl One on the WWE Network or even just type it into YouTube or wherever it is because you're going to find footage of it. Oz's debut. At Super Bowl one, the entrance way ends up with a curtain draped across it to try and look like a big castle of some sort, but it's blatantly just a, a bad painting on a sheet that's poorly lit. Okay, and then the, the whole um, walkway entrance way fills with 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 mists, almost like the Undertaker's arriving, and it does look initially like okay, this could be quite quite good, and then for some reason, Dorothy turns up. We were little red shoes. It's so ridiculous. And the Tin Man and the Lion and the Scarecrow. And they're all ferreting around halfway down the entrance ramp. So Kevin Sullivan, in a really shit rubber mask, decides to come out <laughs> carrying a monkey because, hey, why not? It's WCW. Carrying a <laughs> come out and say, oh, come this way. Come forward. Don't be scared. Come and see Oz. And then we see him. We see Nash in all of his Oz glory, standing there, seven foot tall, huge, bright green gown, crazy wizard hat on, fake mask, beard effort, walks down to the ring and then takes all this garb off to just reveal it's Kevin Nash in green tights. But they sprayed his hair and his beard silver. Mm -hmm. But it's not done very well. It's quite patchy and it's just crap. It's just crap. So I would like everyone to check out um, Oz at Super Raw 1 uh, from WCW because it has to be seen to be believed. It is unreal. But this week, my entry into the Chain Wrestling Hall of Lane is Oz. That's, that's like, like I said, it went for, it, it got pushed, I think, for about a month or so, but it just shows how horrific that gimmick is that some 
30 years later, we're still talking about it as being one of the worst things that's ever happened. And yeah. thank the Lord for Ron Simmons for putting an end to that at the Great American Bash that year. And yeah, Oz was was then just buried. Uh, thank God, yeah, it's horrific. Good pick. Great, It was great not pick. a good look, mate, was it? It was not a good look. No. Again, no. I suppose that was 91. What you've put forward this week is 98. Look how much crap... Kevin Nash was involved in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all this this stuff in between that as well. There's uh, the Vinnie Vega stuff, the two mm. dudes with attitude stuff. Uh, yeah. The Master Blasters as well, just before us. Do you remember the Master yep. Blasters? I do, I do. <laughs> but he made money, fair play to him. Yeah, he fair made play. money doing as little as possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just standing there and looking tall and green in, in more than one way of the word, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay then. Shall we get to Twitter magazine and have a little look at what we've got this week in our non-wrestling topic? Yes, we shall. Okay. This week, we thought we would have a little look at conspiracy theories. Uh, and from the viewpoint of some of them being so ridiculous, it could be quite quite funny. On the other side of it, some of them really start making you think uh, and so on. So we want to just get, uh, get, get everyone's thoughts on conspiracy theories. What do you believe? What do you not believe? What do you think is nonsense? What makes you laugh? What's, what conspiracy theories have you heard that you like that obviously maybe don't fully invest in and so on and my goodness do we get a lot of responses we did a lot of people uh, maybe believe or don't believe in some some pretty crazy conspiracy theories in, in mm. the, the CWF yes indeed yes indeed so we're going to fly through these because there's a lot to get through uh, we'll start well I'll go through them in the order they arrived into us as I normally do mm-hmm so first up is at UTT Rob on Twitter. He says, I didn't believe in lizard people till I saw Dave Meltzer in person. He gave off lizard person vibes. I mean, so there we go. That's proving a uh, he, a, he a does look he, he does look very lizardy, doesn't mm. he? He's got that kind of like lizardy texture to his skin. Yeah, and that other fella as well who used to come out with Boris Johnson and stand at those podiums and talk about coronavirus and stuff. Do you remember when he said like the daily briefings? Oh, um, is it Reese Mogg? I don't know. I don't know. But he's definitely a lizard person. Yeah, the medical dude. He looks like a lizard. He just looks like one. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's not Jeff Reese Mogg. He's the one with the glasses who who looks like uh, Lord Snooter. Okay. I know the one you, you mean. He's got no chin. Is yeah, that, that's right. And that makes him look like a lizard. He does look like he, lo- he oh, looks very like lizardy. See, it's the chin. That's what it is. Huh. Yeah, but Dave has a chin. And he also has a forked tongue. So, why? Well, yeah. He's also a dick. Um, <laughs> Rob continues his main conspiracy theory is that Ed Ferrara is secretly writing NXT as they film at Full Sail with help from students and faculty and lectures, TV writing there. I don't think Ed Ferrara can teach anybody about TV writing, to be honest. if Yeah, how how is Ed Ferrara, whose biggest claim to fame is mocking somebody with Bell's palsy mm. as a character called Oklahoma, how is he telling people how to write TV? That's that's no. ridiculous. No. But, but uh, Rob, just... Rob, it may be right, though. It may be writing uh, NXT 2.0. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean... It, he was just effectively like Vince Russo's little laptop. Yes, man. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Well, I think he he did a a lot of like the writing behind the scenes. Him and Vince, um, 
really worked work, uh, a lot together. But on screen, he was essentially Vince's lackey. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then they went to WCW. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> we have here at BB underscore ninety five says the Paul is dead conspiracy theory is hilarious to me because what are the odds that you lose one of the best songwriters of all time and then find someone who looks and sounds exactly like him who also happens to be one of the best songwriters of all time. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous to even contemplate the fact that that could have happened. Mm. That that you can find someone who's exactly the spit image of Paul McCartney sounds exactly like him and then also is able to uh, to write and play music as well as Paul McCartney's. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They the play things into that it, people believe. The Beatles, they play into it, though, don't they, with the whole Billy Shears character, mm-hmm. Sergeant Pepper, mm-hmm. is supposed to hint towards this, and they're obviously just having a bit of a wind-up, I'm guessing. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, it is it is a bit crazy. But there's others as well, isn't there? Like Avril Lavigne, they reckon... Uh, there's, there's a thing about Avril Lavigne is, um, like, not actually the original Avril Lavigne and stuff like that. Yeah, I've I've seen um, bits about that. I don't really know a lot about it, but apparently she doesn't smile the same. Um, she doesn't sing the same. I mean, who's listened to an Avril Lavigne song since Skater Boy? Hmm, nobody. So how would you know? Well, I suppose. I suppose, yeah. Um, and also, people get older. Their faces are going to change. And when yeah. she did Skater Boy, what was she, like 15? I think she may have been a little bit older than that, but... Right, okay, yeah. but still. She was like late teens. Yeah, so, I mean, what is she now, 30-odd? Yeah, she'd be probably touching 40 now. Mm, well, there you go then. No, I, I look a bit different now to what I did when I was 15. Yeah, a little bit. A beard, a beard and everything. Yeah, exactly. I've grown up proper. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, our good buddy at Scottish Juggalo on Twitter, Colin McAldy, the middleweight champion of all of Kent. He says here, not really a conspiracy theorist, but I do believe in two things. One, Lemmy is God. Two, God is Lemmy. For a split second, I actually thought he was referencing my cat, but then I was like, no. I mean, <laughs> that, that also could apply, because the cat mm. is is the God in your house, because well, he does yeah. what he wants, and he wants what he does. Yeah, I got, I'll got. i put some pictures up online later on of him that we got the other day. He, he's got a thing now about sitting on top of the fridge, but okay. he's obviously decided that the fridge is now his fridge. So there's pictures of me and my daughter Liv at separate times going to try and open the fridge door or going over towards the fridge and, and then just swiping up. Yeah, so get, get away from the fridge. <laughs> so it's doing wonders for my diet. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's a secret mission that uh, that Sharon's giving. You go yeah, maybe. <laughs> Don't let him get in. That big lardy hairy bastard. Don't let him open that fridge anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, we have here. At Chris one he says, for me, the whole Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, pedophilia and references to Oof. pizza has to be one of the stupidest things I've ever heard people believe. I actually said, I think on Twitter, I'm going to look into that one. So I don't know what it is. And did you? I did not. No, you didn't. That's so. I think because we're touching on a bit of a darker subject there, we'll just uh, skip over that one, Maxie. I mean, we, we when we were talking about this in, 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 in the chat before, and uh, we did say if we get some little bit, maybe uh, touchy ones, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll quickly slide past them. Yeah, just, just yeah, skip over those. But we've been quite lucky because I don't think we have any that is that bad other than Mill Chris there, you know, mentioning 
Bring in the tone down, oh. sir. Can you bring, bring in the, the tone down. Yeah. Can you bring the bring tone in down? Bring the tone. No. <laughs> Uh, our good friend of the show dan griffin at dan griffin 21 on twitter quite a bit coming in from dan here thank you very much dan he says get your personal hot chocolates favorite. In. sorry get your hot chocolates in and, get your hot cho- <laughs> and buckle in for this story a personal favorite conspiracy theory faux pas is flat earth societies and ironically proclaiming they have members all over the globe <laughs> <laughs> i mean I don't get believing oh. in flat Earth, but he goes on. He carries on with, with that it. That just tickles me. But all they got them all over the globe. That's funny. Flat Earth is stupid anyway, but that lack of self awareness is awesome. Going along with the flat Earth theory, some of the flat Earthers have decided that Australia doesn't exist, and any Australians you've ever seen on TV or met are actually paid actors to maintain the lie that the Earth is round. Mm-hmm. There's um. <sighs> There's a, a and I think it's a Netflix documentary, and I think I think it's called Chasing the Circle or something like that. And okay. it's about it's about these flat earthers who are adamant that the Earth is is a disc, and it's and it's not round. And they get hold of this uh this uh machine that uh can can essentially it fires a beam of light, and and then it goes all the way around the Earth. And and if it, if the machine is able to pick it up, it proves that the the Earth is round. Uh, and they get this machine, and it shows them up. It absolutely proves that the Earth is is a is a is a ball, uh, but they they they're still adamant that it's not, um, and the 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 machine isn't calibrated correctly. And the 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 theory they put forward is, if you're on if you're on the horizon, they can still see you. And they said that that proves that it's a straight line, that it's flat, not the fact that the 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 Earth is so huge that. The, the curve is so slight that you wouldn't notice it yeah. to, to the uh, to the human eye. But yeah, they're, they're fucking idiots. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Australia's made up. <laughs> yeah. Paid actors. Like oh. tens of millions of paid actors. Josh Robinson, friend of the show, is not really Australian. He's just putting on that stupid accent for, for a wage. Mm, nor was our mate Chris Mangle either. You know, yeah, he's obviously not awesome. really Australia. <laughs> Been exposed now, Chris. Australia's yeah. not real. Okay. Exactly. exactly. So, I mean, like Kylie's from like Barnsley or something. Yeah. <laughs> is that what is that what he is that what he's getting at? And, and she's putting on an accent the whole time. Of all the places, Barnsley. Barnsley. I don't know why I said Bar- I don't know why I said Barnsley. I don't know why that came to me. I don't know. <sighs> it seems like somewhere Kylie Minogue would like anyway. But there we go. Yeah, anyway, no, anyway. No. People from <laughs> Barnsley don't like Barnsley. <laughs> Dan Griffin continues. Hollowed Earth is always an amusing one too, and that there's a race of lizard people living inside that secretly rule the world. Only good thing about this one is it gave us the Solarians, sorry, in modern Doctor Who, and played a part in the Godzilla versus Kong MonsterVerse movies. Mm-hmm. Now, Hollow Earth lizards living on the inside again—it's just nonsense, isn't it? It's just so. Why? why how can people think this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like we we haven't got science that proves that it's not true. Yeah, we haven't are... got science. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. ridiculous. Some of the, th- I mean, the these people who believe such ridiculous conspiracy theories, they get so uh, caught up in this this tangled web of bullshit that they don't know what's true and what's false. It's ridiculous. Mm. 
Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I'm in the chat there very quickly. We have Matt Willis trying to help me with the pronunciation of the Doctor Who villain. Thank you very much, Matt. And also, you've written it in capitals there, so it looks like me pronouncing it wrong has irritated you a touch. So, Silurians, it says. It's almost like Matt. Maybe you should have a Doctor Who podcast. Maybe, maybe. I mean, if I if me pronouncing Silurians wrong has irritated you, I apologise. I'll try and word it a different way. Silurians. Is that better? How's that? Is that bug you? <laughs> anyway 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 dan continues i quite like the conspiracies around denver airport as well there's a time capsule that people reckon is related to the new world order not the hogan one that either contains a virus or the blueprint for rebuilding humanity post-apocalypse yeah and ah, okay I, th- I think they they, they also said there's a, a a system of tunnels underneath that that has a secret base for for the N- nwr uh kind of hierarchy um and so that'd be the original three hogan hall and nash wouldn't it, the hierarchy yeah. <laughs> the outsiders uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well um props to denver um airport they actually lean in on it and there's this sounds all over uh, all of the airport really kind of going into this uh into this conspiracy theory bollocks that that's going on uh but yeah it's not it's just a it's just a, an airport in the middle of nowhere mm. it, again it's just mad isn't it? i suppose all it takes is for somebody to say something and there to be like a a, a coincidence or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like chinese whispers isn't it, it gets passed to one person and another and it all escalates and it and just and all, nowadays, you don't even need to pass it to another. You just put it on Facebook, and then mm. it just spreads like absolute wildfire. Facebook, yes. Facebook facts. Yes, exactly. Facebook facts. Oh, man. I hate Facebook so much. You know, Facebook's good for keeping in touch with certain people and, you know, family and, and so on or whatever. But on the whole, it just does my nut. But at the same time, Twitter pisses me off now. I used to love Twitter, but I get me out of it now because I seem to be getting more and more idiots just turning up on my timeline and it is obviously an unfollow block whatever of course it is mute whatever but i still read it in the, initially to block them in the first place and it just gets on my nerves now uh, that is that a you thing though is it just you being a grumpy grumpy old curmudgeon no i don't know i don't think so because i always liked i, I said to you before tonight, i've never really come across Barring the issues with the usual idiots like storms and that who's now been blocked and apparently yes. he's, he's moved over to instagram brilliant excellent stuff get rid of him uh you know all those all those idiots like that i've never really encountered any issues on wrestling twitter it's just reading other people having issues and it's just like oh Where, whereas i've encountered multiple issues and uh, uh, you attract uh, trouble though max i don't know why i, I haven't re- <laughs> re- recently I've, I've actually been really really good and i've not uh i've not been controversial or been uh cancelled for a while yet mm. but it's coming Fair. I'll, I'll do enough. or say something very soon that gets me cancelled. <laughs> uh, hopefully that does not occur, because I don't want to have to search for a co-host for this show, and I'm not going to do it on my own. Scott, check- Scottish Danny's there well, waiting yeah. in the wings. Scottish to- Danny can step in, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I saw him outside my house the other day. Like, I, you know, yeah, but that's a different story, Magsy. You want to change them locks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at Griffin K one on Twitter, he says he quite likes the Prince Charles is a Drac is Dracula theory as it is rooted in somewhat truthfulness. He's a descendant of Vlad the Impaler. I didn't, I wasn't aware of this that he was supposed to be Dracula. Or I've, I've, I've heard, I've heard that he, the 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 bullshit theory that he's one of the undead. Um, I didn't know he was a, a descendant of Vlad the Impaler. Well, that's that's pretty interesting. But mm. he's also 
a bit of a dickhead, isn't it? Yeah. See, it's informative. Look, it's informative. This show, you're learning. Well, I, I'm learning anyway. I don't know about anyone else. You know? <laughs> and, and I love the the fact that you put the count from from Sesame Street as yeah. <laughs> as, as Dracula. I literally just typed into the gift bar vampires, and that came up. And I was like, well, I'm no way going to ignore that because that's the best vampire. One, Connor knows stuff at Connor knows stuff on Twitter. Busy, busy little boy chucking out plenty of content with his podcast covering Ozark that I listened to the other week. Mm-hmm. Ozark's restarting, I think, last week was the first episode of season yep. four. Brilliant, brilliant show. Uh, Looking forward to watching that. That's on my homework to to watch. We just mm. uh, me and the wife just finished watching Archive eighty one. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, I think Ozark may be the next thing we we jump into. Was that good? Because that's an I've seen an advert for that. Okay, so you'll like it because it involves a little bit of kind of a uh, other world stuff and and uh, not necessarily time travel, but the melding of of universes uh, and kind of supernatural stuff. The ending kind of, the, well, the last episode kind of, uh, I don't want to say ruined it, but threw me for a bit of a loop. Um, okay. Because it comes from nowhere. Uh, but the whole build-up really kind of uh, um, supernatural, really kind of slow-burning. So I'd recommend it definitely. And there's definitely going to be a second season. Uh, that's that's without a shadow of a doubt. They really played into that. Oh, excellent. Okay, I'll check it out. Cheers, mate. Anyway, Connor Knows Stuff. Go and check out Connor's work as well. You can find links to his stuff on Twitter at Connor Knows Stuff, spelled K-O-N-O-R, Knows Stuff. Connor says, Oswald didn't act alone in killing JFK. It's been proven that firing two rapid shots off with a bolt-action rifle is impossible. Mm. There's no doubt he was involved, but he did have connections to the Russian Special Forces, the KGJB, he's put here, but I'm sure he means KGB. There is also a theory that the man who shot Oswald uh, which was a guy called Jack Ruby, who shot and killed Oswald on live TV while he was being transported to another prison, died of stomach cancer in prison. The theory is whoever else was involved knew Oswald was going to talk and pointed Ruby to kill Oswald before he had the chance. Before he had the chance to talk, sorry. And they knew Ruby was close to death and Ruby died before the beans could be spilled. Now, JFK is one that there's so much. About, I mean, obviously, there's a Kevin Costner movie about it. There's all. Mm-hmm. It's almost like... You mentioned conspiracy theories. This is almost like one of the first ones everybody brings up, isn't it? The JFK shooting. And and the grassy knoll and things like that. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think, the for me, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, I do I do believe that it would be damn near impossible for, uh, for Oswald to be able to get those two shots off so quick. Like I said, with a bolt action rifle, it's a, it's a case of you have to load and, and, uh, and, uh, eject the old cartridge, a moving car. Um, yeah, that's going to be incredibly tough for him to do. Um, so I do believe that there is something there, uh, quite what it is. I don't think we'll ever really know the, the the full story because all the people involved are either dead or they've kept their kept their cards so close to the chest. Now there's no point in them uh, revealing it. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely somewhat suspicious there. Yeah, and there's so many little oddities, isn't there? You know, the, the, there's people in pictures when everyone else is running away and they're looking in the different direction, very calm. Uh, and there's, there's lots of little things that you look at and, and it's, you know, stuff you can quite easily access anywhere online or, or whatever, where you can see these images, these pictures and the amount of recreations of the shooting itself and so on mm-hmm. that prove, you know, it's, 
it's such a difficult thing. It's not impossible, but it is such a difficult thing to have done. It, yeah, there's more to it than than just you know Oswald's going a bit crazy. I think, isn't there? Definitely, yeah, definitely. And then there's the whole kind of uh, political backstory of, of of the Kennedys and who he was and wasn't in bed with at the time and who what enemies he had. So yeah, it's uh there's definitely more to it than than just one lone gunman uh, performing a near impossible pair of shots. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe that there's more to it than that. Yeah. Have you heard um, the Saxon record, Dallas 1pm? I haven't. Okay, Saxon are, you know, 80s rock band from... Oh, there you go, they're from Barnsley, actually, Saxon. So they'd have grown up with Colin Oak. <laughs> but uh, they released a song called Dallas 1pm, and it's about the shooting of JFK. It's really good. It's a great record. Not, you know, particularly relevant to any conspiracy theory or anything like that. It's just a good song. But, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what have we got there? Conor McCabe. The US government released... Several hundred once classified documents in 2017, but they didn't tell us the whole story and we will never know what really happened. Yeah, I remember that happening. I got quite excited because there was, um, it, it's to do with a, a certain time frame that, you know, government documents have to be released to the public, but I think it's 65 years or 45, whatever yeah. it may well be. Yeah. They have to be made public, um, public domain, I guess. And these files were released that referenced the JFK shooting. However, big sections of them were missing and big sections of them were blacked out. So redacted, I think they call it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. You're not gonna find anything out, are you? Nothing at all. But there we go. That's why it's a conspiracy theory, isn't it? Because people are still guessing. Exactly. Exactly. Our fake Australian, because you know you've been exposed now, Australia's not real. At Mango underscore Chris, he says here can't think of any weird beliefs however my unusual wrestling viewpoint is i've never been totally on board with the valid validity of the montreal screw job which is interesting because we covered that a few weeks back max didn't we about you know and, and the, there are people who think it was a work i can't see how how anyone can actually genuinely believe yeah okay you can have a little bit of a you know the little bit of a mindset of okay well that's a bit ropey you know everyone seems to benefit from benefit from it short term mm-hmm. so was it a work but no, no way. I mean, I'm I, again kind of like the JFK thing. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. That uh, the people were in the know who claimed to not be in the know. Uh, there was all the kind of contract negotiations going on with with Brett. Um, so it, nobody was in that uh, was the innocent party for me. Uh, the, everybody had something to gain from it. Um, so. We will we'll probably again never really get the full story, but we can make educated guesses that um, it it wasn't exactly how it was told to us um, via either WWF or via Brett. I think the the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah, Brett screwed Brett anyway, so <laughs> it was his own fault. It was his own fault. Vince was right. Mm-hmm. Uh, good cop, bad cop wrestling podcast at Good Bad Russell on Twitter. Quite a funny little comment here about the flat earth, the flat earth theory. Yeah, he saw something this week along the lines of the earth is 70% water and it's not carbonated. Therefore, it is flat. Well, that was great. That tickled Brilliant. me. Brilliant. <laughs> and at MGB Graham at MGB Graham on Twitter. I know this isn't really about superstitions, but I do salute solitary magpies when I'm in England and I see them. That is yeah. clearly plain daft, but I still do it. Right. Now, here we yeah, that's the way I do it, but I don't know why I do it. Why do we do that? Morning, Mr. Magpie. Yeah, exactly. Why do we do that? 
I don't because one magpie is bad luck. So if you salute him, he's not gonna shit on you when he flies past. I suppose. But a bird shitting on you is supposed to be good luck. Not a magpie though. Is it not? Because he'll steal your wallet at the same time. You see. Oh, okay. Is it only one? Is it? Yeah, it's like one for sorrow, two for joy. Is it? Yeah, for magpies. Three for yeah. a girl, four for a boy, and all that sort of thing. Okay. But yeah. what I mean is, is it only when you see one you're supposed to salute? I mean, if I see more than one, I'll, I'll salute them all separately. But you what else? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see a big flock of them, you're there for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Getting cramped in your arm for all the salute. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is, I, I've always done that. I've always saluted the magpie and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Never really I, known why. And I, I don't get the thing of it only being one. I've always just saluted them all. Even even Millwall Chris uh, says he, he doesn't salute them, but he does say hello to them. And uh, we don't do it to any other to any other animal. It's weird, isn't it? Like, you see yeah. a robin go past, you don't like, salute a robin. Yeah. What is well, it about? What, what do magpies have over the human population that they deserve a, they deserve a salute? You know yeah. what? From now on, because Graham said it's, it's daft, and because there's no rhyme or reason, I'm going to give him a one-fingered salute next time I see a magpie. I don't think this can end well, surely. Probably not, but I'll test my theory. Yeah, okay. Report back next week, Maxie. See how... I'll <laughs> tell you what, if you've had an actually, you know, a, a an unlucky week, so from this moment onwards till next week's chain wrestling, make mental notes or whatever of moments that you think, okay, that was good, that was bad, luck-wise... You know, if you're having a good week, a bad week, whatever, and see if it coincides. You might you might have like a really bad week next week because you stopped saluting the magpies, and then we know, we, you know, in a very highly professional, scientific way, we've. Um... And then I'll I will wholeheartedly apologise to Mister Magpie. Hmm. And it, and if if I don't have a bad week, the magpie magpies can fuck off. <laughs> That's okay. That's the that's the intro for the audio version. Now it's just a little, a little clip there. The magpies can fuck off because <laughs> no one when they press play is going to know what we're on about. <laughs> uh good friend of the show, Handy T1TF at Handy T1TF on Twitter. He says he's not a conspiracist. I've got my own physics theory though. See, we're getting educated again, Magsy. Okay. Yeah. I believe that when the universe stops expanding, that it will start a chain reaction as it contracts into supermassive black holes, reaching a final point of singularity, sparking the next Big Bang. Parallel universes are just reflections from previous Big Bangs in an endless loop. Okay. I don't really understand any of that. And I'm not going to lie, there are certain words I struggle to read. So <laughs> as long as there's no Sheldon involved, uh, I'd be happy with the Big Bangs. I, I, uh, I will point you to a, a, a Brian Cox um, documentary series that he's done on, on the BBC iPlayer where it goes into uh, the universe and talks about uh, how how it began uh, and the Big Bang and things like that. Um, so it's really, really interesting. And he talks about the, the time before the Big Bang uh, and the time that's going to come ha- after, uh, essentially, the the universe has expanded to the to the point of of it can't expand anymore and the eternal darkness that that is going to come from that uh so yeah it's really really interesting hmm, okay i'll check it out i mean it's nice and handy to put that forward as well i mean i don't mm-hmm. quite understand all of it but i'll look into it maybe um and blatantly that's not going to happen we- <laughs> 
<laughs> Our good friend Steve O at Total Steve O on Twitter. He says here, 9-11, as much as I just say, yep, what happened, happened. Those towers collapsing like they did is not normal. I've seen something I've delved deep into and of the whole day that along with the Pentagon attack are still anomalies. I must have watched the incredible loose change a thousand times. It's incredible. Sorry, that was over two tweets then. That's what you remember to tweet what he was on about. <laughs> yeah, 9-11, Magsy. I, uh, I don't know. It's obviously a terrorist attack. It, you know, I don't want to sort of touch on anything too dark here, but there's also a lot of things you look at and think, well, that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, uh, again, I, I wouldn't want to take a side in this because I've I've not watched the documentary that, uh, mm. that Steve was talking about. Um, I wouldn't uh, even um, I wouldn't even pretend to to have the scientific knowledge. I know there was a lot of our talk uh, at the time about how uh, steel. Uh, doesn't melt at the the temperature that that uh, that uh, plane fuel uh, burns at and things like that. All I know is that it was a massive, massive waste of life at, yeah, at the exactly. time, and and um, I will never um, get out of my head the the images of of people uh, having the the choice of staying and burning or jumping out of a uh, of a, a window hundreds of feet in the air uh, just. The hope of, of 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 surviving that, yeah, it's a, it was a, a a criminal criminal waste of life. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll just leave that there. I think uh, Steve continues here. There was an amazing Darren Brain episode delving into one of the JFK conspiracies revolved around hypnotism. Stephen Fry was involved, of course. Darren was proven right, and makes you think that's what could have happened. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you do you talk about brainwashing and so on don't they and, and yeah, the, the manchurian candidate and things like that yeah. where people people are, are, are in a fugue state and hypnotized and, and have the kind of trigger words that uh that, that set them off on these paths of destruction it's things that uh governments have certainly attempted to do uh, i mean there's the the famous mk ultra uh experiments that the u.s government did where they they tried to essentially create super soldiers and stuff like that so mm. yeah I, I do think the the government have attempted to to do things like that. Whether they still do it now, uh, who's to say? But yeah, it's a uh, never trust governments. No, no, I agree. Uh, Steve continues here as well, saying he doesn't know specifics, but heard certain things that have happened in various wars, i.e., the Gulf, the Falklands, etc. The information has confirmed mad conspirators were actually right all along which is really scary when you think about it. Yeah, I, I do. I, I get that because it is that thing of people who believe some of these conspiracy theories, they're often just painted as being nuts, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And we've had a bit of a laugh about the, the flat earthers and the lizard people and all that sort of stuff earlier in the show. But it's almost like they, they get sort of brushed under the carpet just for, oh, listen to that crazy old bass or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like it's, 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 the, it's the same kind of principle of if it was true, it's the best defense they could possibly have. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 what people don't realise is just how lucrative wars are for for if you are super rich and you've got your your sticky little fingers in many many pies, uh, it's it's absolutely lucrative to have a war because if you're playing both sides, you're selling weapons to one side and selling weapons to another side, you're you're making double the amount of money. Uh, yeah, so. That was um, a film, wasn't it? Was was it Nicolas Cage in that film? Yeah, Lord of War. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Sharon and that. I, I, I think Jared Leto was in that, so that, that's yeah, what he, he was the brother, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good film, guys. I've seen that a long time. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve O'Connor continues, the moon landing interests me, especially how desperate America were to win the race. There's also something I heard years ago about records of high-profile deaths or catastrophic events that under suspicious circumstances, that after 100 years is when you can look at the records and re-examine and possibly price what happened. I, a few years back, there was an unveiling that, yes, the Titanic did hit an iceberg, but the reason it penetrated was because there was a fire below and weakened the steel. It was a Channel 4 documentary. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's true. I we'll get to the Titanic in a bit, but... Yeah, I think there's also, like, um, was the issues with the, the engine was so huge that you mm. couldn't put it into reverse without it needing like miles and miles of, of, of space. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't see the, the iceberg till way too late. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, uh, again, another thing that we'll probably never know the real reasons why, uh, the Titanic sunk, but it's a massive waste of, of human life. It is. It is. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it for, for Twitter this week, Maxie, to be honest. So, I mean, we mentioned the Titanic there. That's something I want to sort of touch upon briefly in a moment. But have you got any that sort of stick in your mind, conspiracy theories-wise, or anything that makes you giggle or piques your interest? Yeah, there's there's one that we've we've kind of touched on, but we've we haven't really delved too much into, and that's uh, the 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 theory of of a new world order or or an Illuminati or a group of uh, of people who are above us. Now, I'm not saying I believe in any of of the the wild stories about like lizard people and and things like that, but I do believe that the the super rich or there is a groups of uh, really uh, influential people and families who who do control the kind of uh the a lot of the way that the the, the world is run uh because there's the old adage of uh the the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and there's a reason because of that because we're being uh we're essentially the 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 masses for them to to stay rich so yeah i do think that there's a a higher echelon of of influential people who kind of like have more dictate more of what goes on in the world than 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 perhaps we know yeah i i, I get i get that i get that sort of because there's so much history to that as well isn't there? there's so much i suppose things you can trace back and it, again it comes back to that whole the jfk thing with so many your know, little oddities that you mm-hmm. can point at and go well there's all these little things surely there it, it does point to something yeah. You know, and, and what you're saying there is the same for like, all these years, decades, centuries, whatever. There's always little things that could potentially point towards this big thing we're thinking of, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't make the leap to say that uh, uh, the, there's a, a massive secret society, but I would say that the richer you are, the more influence and the more swear that you've got. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, with regards to the Titanic, it's one of my. I don't know the right term. I don't know the favorite conspiracy theories. Is, is that, I guess the right term, whatever. Uh, but I, I love the sort of looking into that and the story behind that and the, the theory that it was an insurance job. Have you heard about this? I have, yes. With the twin ship, the, uh, the Olympic. And it was actually the Olympic that was damaged a few days previously and they couldn't get an insurance payout for this. So they wanted to sink it. And if they they switched the Titanic for the Olympic and they wanted to sink it completely to get the insurance money, which mm-hmm. then led to the Titanic or, or the Olympics, sorry, having Titanic's, I suppose, details on it, the name and, and, and various other things like the, the, the ashtrays, the cushions and so on. That You can find all this online, the differences between the Olympic and the Titanic. 
there's pictures that compare the two ships and then the ship that actually sank looks more like the Olympic than it does the Titanic and so on. And the idea was that there would be lots of ships in the area to pick up the people who, who sadly were on this boat that was being sunk. The way it was going to be sunk was done in such a way that there's plenty of time to get everybody off on the lifeboats. So there'll be no loss of death. Sorry, loss, loss of life. Sorry. And they get their insurance payout. Things went, obviously, in, in theory, went drastically wrong. These certain ships weren't around at this time because Titanic plowed on so famously so quickly. They were trying to get across the water in record time. So they arrived before these other ships were there to pick up the the, the people involved in the crash, uh, in, in the sinking. Massive loss of life. And the, you know, the things that add to that theory being that quite famous, well-known, wealthy people. Magazine, I suppose, similar to what you were talking about there, that sort of hierarchy of, of wealthy people that you know are in the know, I guess. Many of them were booked on the Titanic's maiden voyage. The day of or the day before, they all kind of stepped away and said, we're not going, you know, and didn't give any reasons or anything like that. So there's lots of these little bits and bobs. Again, you have to jump on. We've only got, you know, an hour and a half, two hour podcast here. Your best bet is literally to look this up yourself and have a read of it. It is again, nonsense. It is crazy, but it's again, what makes a great conspiracy theory is there's little bits and bobs that make you think, well, hang on a second. Why is that like that? It's absolutely fascinating that, that the Titanic Olympic switcheroo, I guess is something I really enjoy looking into and reading about myself. Yeah. Yep, and, and and to add to that, uh, in uh, Cone, which is a town a couple of a couple of miles over from me, um, they have they have um, um, a Titanic museum uh, because the uh, the band leader and the 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 lead violinist um, uh, Wallace uh, Henry Hartley was from Cone. Um, he's the guy who famously or infamously kept the band playing whilst the, mm. the boat was going under. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a, a little museum with a lot of kind of like memorabilia and and, and things from from the Titanic. And um, one Halloween, we actually went to uh, a showing of, of the film Titanic at that at that um, uh, that museum, which was pretty okay. cool, pretty pretty eerie as well. Uh, because um, we watched the film, which is obviously uh, made for entertainment, but we also yeah. uh, watched a, a a documentary that that kind of like went into uh, the details of, of of the the building of Titanic and and how its size was ultimately what what brought it down because it was so hard to control uh, and and when they they did run into danger, there was not a lot that they they could do about it. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, very interesting. Obviously, you know, again, huge loss of life. Very, very sad what happened. There's so yeah. many, so many conspiracy theories and what ifs and why did this happen and mistakes made. Just fascinating thing to look into. Uh, Magsy, before we get talking about a bit of wrestling, should we have a little catch up with what's going on in the chat? Yeah, and there's uh, there's there's quite a lot. So um, let's get back um, to Matt. He uh, he obviously slated you for your pronunciation. Yeah. And then he said he wasn't invited to be involved. He puts a lol at the end, but I have, I have a feeling that that lol, uh, it doesn't mean that lol. He's actually really upset. Uh, and he also mm. he also admits that he would have taken over the podcast. <laughs> um, With regards to that, um, Dan and I, it's you know, the podcast is, is coming out on the 2nd of February. 
when, when you start hearing the episodes, because we recorded the majority of the first season, when you start hearing the episodes, you'll hear that the plan is when we do season two to bring guests on. And the guests hopefully will be picking their own Doctor Who story for us to look at and review. And, and that's the sort of plan we have for certain episodes going forward. So there will be an opportunity, Matt. Don't you worry, my friend. And after after slating you on your own podcast, I don't think you should invite Matt. I think you should make it a, a thing to not have Matt on the, on the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that could be our tagline. <laughs> yeah. uh, Scottish Danny saying that uh, one of his old jobs, he had a, they had a flat earth there and she spent 10 minutes trying to tell everyone that Australia wasn't real and was uh, promptly laughed out of the room. Um, for some reason, uh, Danny's saying Mags is short for shit magnet. It's actually is short for magnet, uh, but I'm sure I've told that story before, so I won't bore you with that. Um, Scottish Danny again saying it was a uh, bang bang uh, Andy outside my house, and uh, funnily <laughs> enough, Andy rocked up uh, saying Greece is from COVID infested Bristol, or is it really COVID infested Burnley? And you are peeping through my windows as we speak, sir. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, Dan Griffin says he tells pigeons to fuck off. Does that count? Absolutely. Pigeons should always be told to, to fuck off. Airborne rats, mate. Yeah. Um, Dan is, again comes back and says, uh, I like the family guy theory of creation that God and his roommate Chugs were arm wrestling. God lost. So he ripped a fart into a ladder and thus created the universe. That is brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, Millwall Chris adding another wacky conspiracy theory, saying that the gunpowder plot was a setup and Gar Fox was innocent. Well, again, I, I think um, there is no good on either side of, of, of that one. Um, uh, bang Bang bringing up Tugboat's World Tight Run. Now, that is a massive conspiracy theory. Um, well hidden from everyone. Exactly. Uh, and then he goes, can he put forward the ultimate, uh, the original Ultimate Warrior being dead and that they brought in a, re- a replacement with a slightly different haircut who is now actually dead too? Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember this. There, There is the, the theory that it is a replacement because of how small his muscle structure yeah. were, but there is also the, the issue of the steroid trials and uh, and Vince wanted people to to maybe not be on the on the laughing gas as much as they were. So I think it it may be a, a case of that. Mm. He and did then, look so different, didn't he, at WrestleMania eight when he returned? He did look yeah, so he, different. He looked thinner, um, he looked gauntry, he'd had highlights in his hair. Um, yeah. So it, I mean it might be true. I mean it could have been the renegade in disguise. Well, yeah. Well, no, the renegade weren't around then, was he? Later on, the exactly. renegade came. exactly weren't around because it was it was moonlighted oh. as the ultimate warrior. Mm. Mm. So that's why WCW hired the renegade to play the renegade because he had experience of actually playing the warrior as the warrior. Exactly, exactly. Always oh, mind so. blown, mate. <laughs> and the last one for now, um, Dan, agreeing with me about the the NWO and the 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 rich uh, and their their kind of. Uh, influence over the world saying the super rich in Britain just get pissed in Downing Street. Yeah. And uh, apparently it's come out today that Boris had a birthday party and he still didn't realize that it was a party. So hmm, there we go. Oh man, I don't want to get into politics. It makes me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. So instead of getting into some politics, let's get into some wrestling. Yes. Uh, let's get And it's actually um, 
quite apropos that we we're saying let's get ready to rumble because we're talking about a rumble. Oh yeah, oh. we are. Yeah, sorry, time rumble. You, you fucking idiot! When you said oh, rumble, we are. Yes, we, that's <laughs> right. Oh yes, it is a rumble. When you said <laughs> when you said rumble, I because I'm all more rumbled out at the moment, mate. You got the Royal Rumble coming up this weekend, don't you? Which you know, Matt is, Willis is doing a live watch along on uh, right, the channel. Um, so I, you may see a few familiar faces pop up uh, in on that. Yeah, and I, I've not watched any WWE television. So, I mean, I'm going to watch the Rumble because I do it every year, the Rumble and Mania, and, you know. Mm-hmm. But normally I've started watching a bit of Raw and SmackDown at this stage. To catch to get Yeah, to get in, yeah, to get caught up or in the mood or whatever properly for the Rumble. I've still not watched any, mate. No. I mean, I haven't. I'm I'm the kind of WWE fan who will just watch the pay-per-views. And to be fair, I haven't really watched a lot of the pay-per-views uh, mm. recently. Uh, they just they, it doesn't seem to to grab me. But the the two things that I will watch are Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. Uh, so yeah, I'll be I'll be definitely watching uh, the Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, but that's the thing. I'm, I'm sort of all rumbled out. We spoke about a couple of rumbles back to back in recent weeks. We've got the Rumble coming up this weekend. So when you said we're talking about a Rumble, I was like, are we? And it completely threw me. I was like, what are you, what are you on about? <laughs> but you are right, Magsy. You are right. So the Chai Town Rumble, which was the name given to the NWA pay-per-view broadcast in 1989, that we're looking at the main event from this week. Mm-hmm. And I am over the moon, this one, because I wanted to talk about this. Well, I think I've put this forward in a poll before and it got beat. So I'm really glad that as we've got should. this. What do you mean, as it should? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. We're looking at Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair for the NWA World Championship. And it's the first match of their lauded, famous, fantastic trilogy of matches that happened in 89. Mm-hmm. 1989 to me is probably my... If I had to pick one year in wrestling, on one company, it would be the NWA in 1989. That's peak for me. I think so many great matches, so many great moments, so many great storylines. Just absolutely brilliant. Max, what did you think of this then, mate? It was, it was shit. Crap. Was Crap, it really, man. yeah? Yeah. No, it, 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 this... <laughs> um, I've said time and time again on this show that uh, WCW and, and NWA wasn't my wheelhouse. I uh, wasn't watching uh, at the time. Uh, I've gone back and watched some of it um, um, uh, in my older years, but this this is classic wrestling. This is mm-hmm. everything that, that I enjoy about wrestling. Um, it's, it's cool nowadays that you see such technical skill, uh, but you can't tell a story like this. This match tells a story. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is just so, so good. I mean, the basic gist of what takes us here is Ric Flair is a world champion. He's living the high life as Flair does talking about his expensive suits, all the women he's he's seeing and the the Lear jets and all this stuff. Um, And there's a, he's involved in a tag match on an episode on a TV taping for Jim Crockett promotions. Mm-hmm. And the mystery opponent, one half of the team he's facing, is somebody from his past. They say, which is true because they they had some great matches feuding over the United States Championship in previous years. I think Mid Atlantic carried quite a few of those on their television. So you know, it is somebody from Flair's past. It's Ricky Steamboat returning from a run in the WWE where he put on some belter matches there as well, didn't he? With a uh, Macho Man and so on, WrestleMania Three, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and and, and they're they kind of making it that um, the only reason that he, essentially they were saying that he was coming out of retirement or was contemplating mm. retirement. And the only reason he'd stick around is if he got a shot at this, at this world title uh, and, and, the 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 kind of storyline is that Flair, like I said, is this um, flasher, uh, jet jet uh, jet flying limousine riding, um, kiss stealing, wheelie dealing, son of a gun, and Ricky Steamboat is a family guy. Um, and there's a they they do a really cool that like, video package uh, of how uh, essentially they build to this match uh, when uh, Flair is essentially telling um, Ricky to to go home and help the missus with the with the dishes. Yeah. I'm going out, uh, <laughs> and he's taking all these girls out the ring, and and uh, Ricky just lays into him, rips a fifteen hundred dollar suit, silk suit, apparently according to Jim Ross, uh, essentially off Ric Flair's uh, back. Really, really kind of heated, and and you get excited for it just from that promo and mm. i think uh is it hero uh matsuda that's uh the manager of rick flair yep. at the time uh he gets involved yeah it's a, a really kind of a, a a good package to get you get you uh ready and primed for this match yeah and, and you said they're heated maxi that, that's what you really get with obviously that segment there but also the match as well mm-hmm. it's really I mean, obviously, these guys are fantastic. Ric Flair, to me, is the greatest of all time. Him and Shawn Michaels are, t- are tied, in my mind, as being the greatest to ever do it. Steamboat's right out there as well. As, as you'll probably remember from an episode of, of Bad Lands we recorded, he was on My Mike Rushmore, mm-hmm. uh, initially Ricky Steamboat. Two of the best to ever do this. And they look like... <sighs> they're so good at what they do, it really looks like a genuine fight. It looks like they are kicking the shit out of each other, for real. Yep. Yep. And that, to me, is what pro wrestling should be. And, and and it starts off really hot as well with the 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 opening shoulder block, which uh, um, is not usually how a Ric Flair match starts. It usually starts with like the the wrestlers uh, feeling each other out and, mm. and collaring elbow tie ups and stuff like that. But this this the way this starts is yeah, he's he's unleashed a dragon to to coin a phrase in in Ricky Steamboat, someone who's who's known to be quite placid in the wrestling world. Um, and Ric Flair has, has, has got this kind of fire lit under uh, Ricky Steamboat. And yeah, the 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 chop exchange that they go into at the beginning. Oh my god, it's it's brutal. Two of the two of the best at doing uh, those like knife edge chops. Yeah, and the funny thing as well there is, you don't get the woo from the crowd after the chop because that hasn't come along yet, obviously. No. So it's strange for me because you've got these almighty chops and then no crowd effect afterwards. Cause you get that in every company all over the world now, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I, you know, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's annoying, but there we go. Um, I've got a note here as well about the ring announcer, Gary Capetta. Just fantastic. I know, I know it's like the simple, it's people probably overlook it. Don't think it, whatever, but this guy, he, to me, he's, he's announcing these guys into the ring. Oh, well, actually, Flair, Steamboat's entrance, you don't see because it's on the... He got, he got the jobber entrance. Yeah, got, how strange was that? Already stood in the ring waiting, yeah. That's crazy. But then he, he, Kometa, he announces Flair to the ring and, and you know, the, the following contest, etc., etc. And it just makes me think, oh, man, that he, he's just great at his job. He just sounds mm-hmm. brilliant doing it. Yeah. And then you, you've got Jim Ross on commentary. I, I love Jim Ross in, in the Attitude Era. I think he, he was the soundtrack to many people's mm-hmm. uh, wrestling fandom. But here, 
you can hear a, a passion in Jim Ross. He he's so uh, energetic with his commentary, uh, and there's even a, a, a point that he, he has a little dig at the WF as well when he yeah. says, uh, uh, um, uh, "Flair essentially bringing back uh, Ricky Steamboat for for this uh, for this um, fight." He goes, "And we do real wrestling here in the NWN." I thought, "Oh, Jim." 2022 Jim would be proud of you for that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but he's right. I mean, you look at the differences between I mean, this is this is February 89. So you look at I suppose the next pay-per-view for the WWF would have been WrestleMania 5, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. You got Hogan Savage main eventing that. And that's a good match. That's great. But it's great because of Savage. Yeah. Hogan is so cartoony and gimmicky, and it worked. Of course, it did because they made so much money. And, and, and good luck to them, whatever. But you look at Flair and Steamboat here again. I've, I'm going to repeat myself now. I apologise, but this is this is a fight. This is a, they are trying to. They're not they're not putting on an exhibition like you see. I suppose some wrestling nowadays. And again, you know. I'm not, I'm not putting down wrestling today. There's a great deal of wrestling today that I enjoy, but it's not all about flips and, and, and posing and uh, stunts and comedy or anything like that. And it's not all about, you know, Hogan going over and, and being, you know, cupping his ear and selling to, you know, this looks like an actual fight. Mm-hmm. They both, they, and they, the most important thing for me is they both look like they are trying to win. It's important to win. They're not just going through a routine to get to the finish. They yeah. look like they're trying to win. Uh, and and they're coupling that with getting the, the greatest hits of, of moves in there, which mm. is uh, it, it's a, sometimes a hard balance to achieve to make it look realistic, but also get your move set, um, get your move set in. And if anybody is able to do that, Ric Flair is one of the best of them. Um, and obviously, uh, Ricky Steamboat is—he—he's should be on everyone's Mount Rushmore. He's such a, an amazing wrestler. The the kind of influence he's had on uh, on younger wrestlers today—he—he he laid the groundwork for a lot of the the action that you see nowadays in terms of half lying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's—he's he's just superb. I mean, we got some early moments that I—I—I I, I forgot happened in this match. That when I see it back, I think, oh, that was brilliant. But again, it's 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 relatively simple in comparison to what we see in wrestling nowadays. But it's done so well, it looks fantastic. For example, they're running the ropes, and you get the usual leapfrog drop down spot, and so on. Flair drops down to let Steamboat run over the top of him. But then, rather than carry on running, Steamboat drops down and just applies a headlock because Flair's already led down. So yeah, simple, but the crowd and, pop, and it looks amazing. And then that leads to another exchange where um, nowadays it, it, it's something you see in pretty much uh, 90% of every matches, but you see uh, Steamboat, I think he does a, the head scissor takedown, the follows up with a drop kick, and then back to the headlock, which mm. um, it, it looks so basic compared to the wrestling that we see now, but at the time, this the smoothness, the way how they, the the two wrestlers work together, this is phenomenal wrestling. This is, this is the bedrock of quality wrestling. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Some of the... Some of the early attempts at pinfalls as well. I mean, we get a near fall from the headlock, don't we? Mm-hmm. Steamboat has Flair in a headlock, and Flair's shoulders are down. The referee counts one, two, and then Flair just gets his shoulder up. And the and the better one, this is only about, I, I guess, what, Maxi, 90 seconds, two minutes into the match. Quite early on, isn't it? Yeah, pretty early. The crowd, they're doing such a good job of making this look 
legit. The crowd believed that could have been the end of the match. Because they react like Steamboat. If it were, (laughs) Steamboat, they they react like Steamboat could have won the World Championship there. (laughs) And it's it's, the crowd are into it. And oh, it's just absolutely fantastic. It's so quick, all the leapfrogs, the chops, just everything. Eventually, Ric Flair gets Steamboat to the outside, doesn't he? And that's where he kind of takes control for a little bit, Max, isn't it? Because before that, it's quite back and forth. Yeah, he starts with the typical uh, kind of dirty tricks, um, sending him into the guardrail, um, getting um, he, he, he do, we see the corner bump, which he does uh, does quite a lot. But it's the the getting the, going for the figure four, using the ropes as leverage, all that kind of classic heel mm. uh, stuff, which uh, which works really really well. Uh, but it it, it makes you kind of root for Ricky Steamboat that that much more. It's uh, yeah. it, it's it's so so good, and I think that's quite important to, to point out as well. Flair in '89 is the best in the world. There's no one who can touch this guy. You know, Steamboat's yeah. fantastic. Savage in the WWF is obviously very talented. DVRC is there's there's great workers around. Of course, there is, but Flair is undoubtedly the greatest wrestler in the world. And it's that thing of he, he comes out says he's the greatest looks the way he does he's got all these beautiful women with him and he's talking about parties and you kind of end up liking the guy because he's such a a sort of lad's lad i suppose and it's got to this stage where he's so good in the ring people are actually starting to cheer for him a little bit in 89 he he's everything that a guy wanted to be at that time. Mm. He wanted to have loads of money. He wanted to look slick, uh, have uh, have uh, the the Rolexes and the and the gold rings and and the women hanging off every arm. Yeah, you 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 hated him because he was a douchebag, but you also kind of slightly admired him and kind of looked up to him. Yeah, and, and ultimately in '89 we do get a, a babyface run from Ric Flair, which is mm-hmm. it's, when you watch it back, it, it's good because again. 89 is probably peak flair, but it's still a bit odd when you watch some of it back as well, him being a very face. But anyway, in this match, he is so good and Steamboat is so good. I find that when they start cheering for him, it's almost like he doubles down on certain aspects and they do certain things in the ring and those cheers kind of disappear and everyone then gets behind Steamboat. The crowd isn't split and the crowd isn't... I'm not saying they split 50-50. There's like a small gathering of flair fans. But even they end up, I think, cheering for Steamboat because Flair is so good at what he does. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a point where you 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 hear the the cheers really dissipate when uh, Flair is using uh, the ropes, put his feet on, uh, mm. put his feet on the ropes to to get multiple attempts at pins on on Steamboat and uh, the referee. I think it was Tommy Young, the referee, is essentially underneath Ric Flair's legs, really kind of checking on uh, Steamboat's for uh, for his shoulders being down. I think he attempts maybe six, seven times to to count the pin. And it takes forever for Tommy Young to look up and realise that yeah. Ric Flair's legs uh, are, are on the ropes. Uh, so that really gets the crowd behind uh, 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 Ricky Steamboat because even though Ric Flair was cheating, using all that kind of uh, uh, pressure, uh, should have got the victory, Rick, uh, Ricky Steamboat just never said said da and was still trying to uh, trying to kick out. So that got uh, those kind of... Uh, those fans who were creeping towards Ric Flair's side t- totally behind uh, Ricky Steamboat from then on. Yeah, I, I suppose similar to how we spoke about the ring announcer and the commentator, you know, obviously Jim Ross and so on, 
Tommy Young, the referee, needs a special mention here because mm-hmm. his he does his role, he does his thing perfectly. That spot with the ropes, he's believable. He's he's getting conned by Flair, and then when mm-hmm. he catches him and he all of that, and then obviously it, it will come to the finish shortly. But there's a ref bump as well, which normally I despise, but here it it seems to work as well. And, and everything that Tommy Young does, again, is perfect. Like people are going to look at Steamboat and Flair. But the supporting roles, the, I suppose the supporting players in this th- th- this match, all tick the boxes that need to be ticked themselves as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. Um, and Tommy Young, uh, he he plays his part masterfully. Um, like like you said, he 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 does get combat by Flair, but he also he's in exactly the right position uh, for for the um, for the ref bump. He's in exactly the right position for for when Flair's cheating. It makes sense. You need that that third person to uh, to help the match flow, and he does his job perfectly. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, when Flair is in control, we see, I suppose, moves that Flair probably isn't renowned or famous for because most people will you know of a certain age will know rick flair from his later wwe runs as opposed to watching him during this time we see flair use a double arm suplex which looks fantastic mm-hmm. we see the, the as you mentioned Maxie, the corner spot where he's thrown into the turnbuckles flips over them runs the length of the ring climbs the other corner but actually hits the crossbody this time yeah. which didn't so, happen very often yeah. so fast and so smooth it's just mm-hmm. uh, people People talk about Ric Flair now and they mention all the divorces and the old man and the bundling around in certain gimmicks and doing, you know, all sorts of nonsense that goes hand in hand with with, with Ric Flair. Now, you look at Ric Flair here. My God, was this guy amazing. Yeah, he so, so was. It's just, it's art. It genuinely is art watching watching him work, especially with someone who can keep up with him and and to who can wrestle it, uh, his tempo. People like Sting, people like um, uh, Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, it's it's like watching a living painting. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really good way of putting it, Maxi. Uh, we get Ricky Steamboat limping around, trying to support himself on the ropes because he's been in the figure four for a long time, and that again, I think, is really clever with the storytelling of the match because the sympathy that he's getting from the crowd mm-hmm. turns into cheers. Then it turns into the, the sympathy is getting him the, the good guy heat he requires, I guess, which is such a simple thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We see Bret Hart do it so well in the nineties as well. The, the Bret Hart limp, as I call it, where whenever Bret Hart's been attacked, a limp develops and he hobbles around for a while. It's, and and he keeps hobbling. That's the best thing. Yes. He, he keeps selling it, and and uh, Ricky does in in this match as well. He, he does uh, keep keep the the injury up. And far too often we see um, an injury played for for a little bit of sympathy, and then when you get back into the match, it's forgotten about. Uh, with guys like like Brett and like Ricky Steamboat, they they know that they've got to keep selling that injury to to keep that believability up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's just so good. Um, Rick Flair tries a crossbody in the ring, and it's a very high crossbody, and they both tumble over the top rope to the outside. I mean, what a, what a spot that was! I mean, again, you got to think this is 1989. This is, and what they're doing is just—it's all so fast, but also believable and brutal. It's just so so good. We get a backbreaker from Rick Flair, a belly to back suplex, a big delayed vertical suplex, a la I suppose the Bulldog, not quite as long, but that sort of similar vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Just great stuff, isn't it? 
Yeah, we see, I think uh, uh, Ricky pulls off a butterfly suplex, which is mm-hmm. absolutely stunning. Yeah, it's 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 just great chain wrestling, and mm. it, it's uh, it's it's kind of like a, a running joke now, I suppose. But this is just such good wrestling. It's so smooth and so so slick. There's uh, there's no wasted movement from from the two, but yet they're still able to make it look like they absolutely hate each other. And yeah. And their 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 bloods are boiling. It's a great work, absolutely great work. I mean, ultimately, the the finish comes when Ricky Steamboat tries his top rope crossbody, which was his, his finisher, mm-hmm. uh, and that's when Tommy Young gets bumped. But it's it's a believable ref bump. It's not it's not Steamboat going out of his way to bang into the ref, and it doesn't look natural. Or it, it's believable that the referee would be in the position he's in. Yeah, because essentially he's, he's uh, not sad side by side with uh, Ric Flair. He's almost kind of a little bit behind Ric Flair, mm-hmm. uh, but his his view is certainly obscured. Uh, Ricky does the 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 the, the crossbody, goes to pin Flair, but he, but Tommy Young is actually underneath uh, Ricky Steamboat, and uh, Ricky's yeah. there looking around for the referee, and he's actually essentially pinning the referee. Uh, then we see. Um, <laughs> Teddy Long and Jesus Christ! If there's one uh, one thing about this match that uh, that made me laugh, it was Teddy Teddy Long's hairdo. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the one thing that doesn't work in this match. <laughs> no, I mean it's weird that 1989 Teddy Long looks older than uh, you're going one on one with the Undertaker Teddy yeah. Long because he's got <laughs> he's almost a, a black Hulk Hogan with the hairstyle mm. that he's got. The scullet is now what they call it. Isn't it? The skull, skull, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good look. But um, Steamboat tries to go off the top rope again for another crossbody, misses. Flair goes for the figure four. Steamboat rolls him up with, a, with an inside cradle. Teddy Long appears out of nowhere. I don't know where the hell he came from. He just emerges, well, doesn't he? He's, he's actually just lurking around on the the end of the ring, um, right. kind of like hanging on the the ring almost. Uh, wait, obviously waiting for 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 the the roll up. Uh, but it doesn't look fixed. I'm not saying that it looks fixed, but he's obviously kind of still concerned about uh, uh, Tommy Young, but knows hmm. that there's a job to uh, job to be done. Uh, sees the roll up, slides in the ring, one, two, three, and. Uh, Ric Flair has 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 done the job cleanly, and Ricky Steamboat is is the man. He is the yeah. actual man. It's so so good, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant. We get a little promo afterwards with Steamboat, where I mean, he can't before see. You, before you, <laughs> yeah, before we even get to that promo, which is which is hilarious, uh, we see a little bit of confusion with uh with Tommy Young. Uh, we, uh, Teddy, Teddy Long hands the belt to 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 Ricky, holds his arm arm aloft, uh, and, and Hero and and Ricky kind of chastising Tommy Young, saying, "Look what went on." Tommy uh, Tommy Young is looking around, then he just runs over to to Ricky and and holds his arm up. So both refs lift up uh, Ricky's arm, and we have a new world champion. Yeah. It's, it's great, man. It's great. Steamboat goes backstage and is being interviewed where lots of the baby faces there are, are celebrating with him. Uh, Luger, of course, has to be in a towel to display off his body, naturally, <laughs> well done, Lex. Uh, everyone's spraying champagne all over Steamboat, and he gets in his eyes, and he can't a see. Lot. A and lot. He's, he gets in his oh, eyes. man. Have you ever had champagne in your eyes, Max? 
I've, I've had jump in my eyes here a couple of times. Uh, it does sting, and oh, props to him. So props, I mean, he struggles with the with the promo. It, mm. it it's very rambling, getting to the, to the point. He, I think he's trying to thank the fans and thank the guys who, who've uh, supported him over over the last few years, and he gets there eventually. But you can tell his eyes are stinging. Um, his hair is absolutely sopping wet through, and. Even when he's trying to get his words out, you hear the likes of Sting and uh, Michael PSAs and Luger in the background really kind of trying to put him off, yeah. pouring champagne all over him. Yeah, it's it's, it's a, <laughs> a funny little uh, a little promo. Yeah, it is, and that and that kicks off, I suppose, uh, the trilogy that we get in '89. We we get another match in a few months' time at the Clash of Champions. We get another match at Wrestle War, I believe, is the is the final one. And they're just the whole lot. The whole thing is is fantastic. All three of these matches are absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. At some stage, I hope we get the opportunity to look at the other two as we sort of bounce back and forth all over the place with, with, with the chain and, and the, the method of the show. Mm-hmm. But we're not looking at the other two right now. We're looking at this one, the first one, Charlie Time Rumble 1989. Out of ten, Magsy, what are you giving it? Yeah, I mean, this is classic wrestling uh, up there with some of the the very, very best. Uh, Like I said, it's part of an amazing trilogy and taking this match in singularity, taking the storyline behind it and and how crisp and clean it was in the ring. Yeah, this was was, uh, one of the best matches we've watched on on this show, certainly. Uh, So I'm quite happy in giving this a nine. Okay. Okay, very high, very high. Not as high as me, though, mate. I'm pulling the trigger. Second week in a row. Ten. Wow. Wow. I've been stingy. I've been really stingy with my tens. But I'm giving two out in a row. Look at that. This, to me, I think is how wrestling should be done. It's absolutely fantastic. It's, it's got everything from the referee, the commentator, the ring announcer, just all playing their parts perfectly well. Steamboat and Flair are incredible. It looks believable whilst they're still getting in high spots and so on as well. It's got brawling. It's got mat wrestling. It's got some aerial stuff from both guys. Mm-hmm. It's just the crider into it. it. Oh, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. So yeah, this is, this is another 10, mate. I'm afraid for me. Cy Dillinger over here dishing out the tens from Dan Griffin in the chat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not many of them, not many of them, just two back to back. Yeah, this is a 10 for me, mate. This is this is one of the best matches I've ever seen. I mean, you have a little bit of bias, uh, I guess. Oh, that. of course. Um, but um, if I, someone who, who who doesn't have that kind of history with this era of wrestling, um, can give it a nine, I totally understand why you would give it a 10. Mm. Yeah, and if you've not seen this, if you're listening to this podcast, just because you love listening to me and Mags because we're bloody brilliant, and why wouldn't you? You absolute psycho. <laughs> if, if, you've not, if you've not seen this match before, then I implore you, seek it out on the WWE Network, get it on DVD, whatever you need to do. Track this match down. Flare Steamboat, Chai Time Rumble, 1989. And then hopefully you'll be inspired to then carry on watching the other matches in the trilogy as well. There's a two out of three fours contest and so on. Mm-hmm. It is that good. Honestly, it is incredible. But that's this week, Magsy. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go next week? Okay. So 
main star of this match. Uh, the uh, the man, uh, Ric Flair, really kind of making uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat look a million dollars. Not that he needed much help. Um, <laughs> but uh, my link is is through Ric Flair. And it's gonna it's it's getting a little bit tenuous, but that's uh, that's how the cookie crumbles. So yep. I want to fast forward to uh, two thousand two. Now, if you uh, remember, in uh, late 2002, Eric Bischoff was the was the Raw general manager, and he awarded uh, Triple H the World Heavyweight uh, Championship, the big gold belt, your favorite mm-hmm. belt. Yeah. Um, and if you remember on that episode of Raw, the first challenger for that title was uh, was Ric Flair, obviously very much linked with uh, Triple H in, in the kind of evolution era uh, of, of wrestling and, and kind of was his... Uh, Almost his his go to guys valet, um, but after uh, a couple of months of, of um, Triple H escaping with that title with the skin of his teeth, um, it led to him having quite a few challengers uh, who were vying for that belt. Um, so the it, it's been credited to Eric Bischoff, but I believe Triple H also had a hand in it. Uh, it led to a, a very unique uh, match stipulation uh, being invented uh, for for Triple H uh, to defend that title. In. So I want to go to uh, Survivor Series of 2002 after Sar destroys his uh, his uh, setup there, oh, where man. we see the first <laughs> ever we see the first ever elimination chamber match. Um, where Triple H has to defend his uh, his um, uh, world heavyweight title against the likes of Shawn Michaels, uh, Chris Jericho, Kane, Booker T, and Rob Van Dam. So with it leading into uh, WrestleMania Chamber, which is uh, happening in, in the, uh, Saudi Arabia in a, in a few weeks, yeah, I want to go from uh, from the Town Rumble to Survivor Series 2002 and the the World Heavyweight uh, Championship uh, Elimination Chamber match. Oh man, that is such a match. That's so good. It is so, and what a pay-per-view. The whole pay-per-view is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant pay-per-view. Scott Steiner debuts as well. I love that debut. Obviously it all went to shit very, very quickly, but the debut was good. <laughs> I mean, to, be, to be fair to Steiner, he did have drop foot when he came into, into the company, yes. so he wasn't uh, 100% well. Uh, but yeah, that's a, uh, that's uh, my pick, and I'm already uh, buttering up the electric with Dan and Mrs. P saying they do love Elimination Chambers and, and obviously loving a bit of, my name is Kane. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I don't really want to put anything up against it because I want to watch that. And I know my match probably isn't going to win anyway. So. <laughs> you've said that for about the last four weeks, and you've, you're on a you're on a roll. So I am. I, am, I, am. I don't think this is in comparison. I don't think this is going to win. But what I would like to do, well, what I'd like to do is actually watch the elimination chamber. So vote for Max. But I'm going to put my match forward anyway. <laughs> what I would like to do is uh, taking Ric Flair as the link here, Flair loses the championship to his babyface challenger and makes you know and does all the good heel stuff that made flair brilliant to make his babyface challenger look like a legit babyface legend i wanted to see flair do exactly the same thing but on the other channel and that's when rick flair loses the wwf championship at wrestlemania 8 to the matchman I'd like to take a look at that one. I don't think we've seen enough Randy Savage on this show, Magsy. And that whole storyline, I mm. remember watching it at the time and thinking, how, 
that was real. Thinking yeah. that 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 Liz was having an affair with with Ric Flair and all the doctored images and stuff like that. It it looked genuinely real. So yeah, yeah. That, and it's also a great match. So it win, is. win. It is. It is a good match, and it's also I think something that gets overlooked quite a bit. That match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think WrestleMania eight gets overlooked quite a bit anyway. In general, yeah, everyone remembers nine because it was outdoors and it was shite. And everyone remembers black hair. Yeah, everyone remembers. Everyone talks about ten. Yeah, <laughs> everyone talks about ten for the obvious reasons: the ladder match, the Bret Owen match, and so on. Seven is obviously famous because Hogan saves the world, and it's got all this, you know, this this hype behind it. I think eight kind of does get overlooked mm-hmm. because the, the the world title is in the mid card. Hogan's wrestling Sid in the main event, and there's not a clean finish to it, and stuff like this. It's well, it kind of, Hogan has to kick out because he's a massive, massive orange douchebag. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hogan is a turd. So those are your options for next week. We have Magsy's fantastic choice of the 2002 Elimination Chamber. Triple H defending against multiple brilliant talents, the likes of RVD, Shawn Michaels, Booker T, Kane, uh, Chris Jericho's in there, and it's the first ever Elimination Chamber. So you see it uh, as brutal as it can be. The chains, the metal floor. There's no crash mats in this one, I'll tell you that. The, the amount of injuries that came out of that one one chamber match is, is unreal. I think pretty yeah. much everybody uh, leaves the match with some sort of injury. Yeah, there you go. Or we can go to WrestleMania 8 and see Ric Flair wrestle one of the greatest of all time, Macho Man Randy Savage. We've not seen enough Randy Savage on this show. That'd be quite a good watch as well, I think. The poll will be up, as always, sort of midweek-ish after the podcast audio version is available on the Wednesday. Um, yeah, and I suppose that brings us to the end of the show, Max. Do you want to list off where everyone can find you and your awesome content, my friend? Um, and again, uh, an amazing week. Thank you all for, for joining us in the chat. You make this show uh, a million times better. If it weren't for you guys, I'd have to talk to this clown um, with with nobody else. So you, you <laughs> but in all seriousness, you are absolutely amazing. The 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 whole lot here, and we we massively appreciate and love you all for it. Uh, but you can follow me down here on the Twitters. I don't mess around with that stupid Facebook or Instagram stuff. Uh, just on the Twitters at Podfather Mags, uh, where you can find links to all the content that I'm involved in here on Radio Techers, whether that be Five Rounds here on a Changing Attitude, the Volley, which will be coming up in uh, in a few minutes, so stick around for that, or the the Football Watch Ones, or you can find me on the Chair Shop with uh, a Changing Attitude and Badlands, or um, or you see uh, Five Rounds is out on on Chair Shop as well, and uh, Visionaries Global Media. So yeah, come and. Uh, Follow me on the Twitters. Um, you'll find links to all my content there. There we go. There we go. You can find me at SJP Words on Twitter, uh, where you can find links to the multiple shows I'm now involved in. <laughs> I think you may be neck and neck with me. Um, it depends on, I suppose, if we deem SJP as, a, as an so ongoing let, podcast. Let's roll for a minute. So. It's effectively retired SJP. It pops up once in a blue moon. So so it's still around, though. Okay. So it counts. So okay. cha- chain wrestling. Yep. A changing attitude. Right. Five rounds. Um, the volley. Okay. Uh, the radio techers watch along. So that's five. Badlands. That's six. 
Jesus, I have got a fucking lot. Yeah, I've I'm, already, yeah. I'm on the, the that nineties wrestling yeah. podcast uh, monthly, so seven. I'm gonna go with seven, and if I miss one, I'm I'm throw in eight just to just to be safe. See, that's, that's a lot. That's a if hell we can't, lot. if we count SJP, which comes like I suppose as and when it's got no real schedule anymore. Mine's mine's five, isn't it? Chain wrestling, uh, the Doctor ah, Who pod, slacker, waiting room podcast. But in my defence, I don't produce all of those. Some of those, I am just, uh, I'm just the on-screen talent. You produce the, well, all of yours, I think. Don't you? Waiting room is all Benny. Okay, Benny does all Benny does all the waiting room stuff. A Quantum Leap podcast It's great. Check that out. Find that on Facebook, Twitter, etc. At waiting room pod underscore. Uh, Benny does all that. He's absolutely fantastic at all that stuff. Um, get a life for you, pair. My wife was just put in the chat. Yeah, that, well. that's a personal attack. That's a perfect it is. It's there, nasty. Yeah, it is. No we're we're trying to provide entertainment to for that. Sal wants a Tuesday roast now. <laughs> the recompense. That's it. <laughs> but anyway, 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 you can find me at SJP Words on Twitter, where you can find links to all the shows there. The Doctor Who podcast coming on the second of February with our good friend Dan Griffin. On Thursday, we have the debut episode of Nitro Nights available via Radio Techers and Visionaries Global Media. You can follow that show on Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights. It's going to be great. Well, That's me. It and won't Spotify. follow you back, though. You can follow it, but it doesn't follow you back. Does it not? No, it doesn't, sir. Have I not followed you back on that account? <laughs> no, you haven't. Oh, what a bastard. I'll, I'll rectify that straight away, Maxie. Don't you worry. I block him, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh there we go this is like the longest exit section of the show we've ever done it's taken a long time for us to go i know we might have to do another one so follow me down here <laughs> at Father Bags on the twitters <laughs> oh there we go yes you can find me at sjp words and that's where you can find links to all my stuff there but most importantly you can find this show chain wrestling at chain underscore wrestling on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and that TikTok thingy, which I am now using. We are getting a few videos up on there. They may be sketchy in quality, but it's whoa, a start. Whoa, <laughs> take that back. <laughs> that took then video took me all of about five or six minutes to create, sir. Oh no, no, no. I didn't mean the ones that you put together. I mean the ones that I put up. Where it's just literally a picture. And it's not even a video at all. They're they're the best videos. Are they? They, look, they look like the five round style videos that I've been putting up. Ah, okay. Well, there you go then. Drop us on TikTok at chain underscore wrestling because the content there is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magsy, I am off now to watch the other two matches in the Ric Flair Steamboat trilogy because it's that damn good. And this is how wrestling should be done. I will speak to you next week, my friend. Woo! <laughs> oh, I missed it.
You people. What's with him? You know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Nitro Nights, starting this Thursday on Visionaries Global Media and Radio Techers, looking back on WCW one show at a time. Follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Nitro underscore Knights.